0: So I thought we really should own our own business instead of having him make money for other people and only draw a salary. And I put it out there and it marinated with him for a while and then finally at one point he said, "Um, okay.
1: I do believe that um, each country has its unique flavor profile. Because the food that, that, that we cook varies from day to day. So I need to get acclimated. I think the most important thing is to listen to what the client actually wants on that specific day.
2: You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Creange. Today I am joined by Andrew and Lisa Hazar from Tastefully Yours Catering. Thank you guys so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
2: Uh, So, Andrew, this is uh, a first question is just for you. Um, Just want to get a little background on you. I I know you grew up in Melbourne, uh, Australia, and you worked in your parents' restaurants um, when you were young. You know, what was that experience like?
0: Well,
1: when you're a a young kid, young teenager, you know, you're basically trying to find your way. And uh, career opportunities are a little bit, uh, how would you say, cloudy or foggy. And you don't know. Where you're gonna be 20 years from now, but um, working in my parents' restaurant uh, gave me a little bit of a strict uh, upbringing. And you know, when your parents ask you to work on the weekends in their restaurant, you know you're pretty much polite and say, "Okay, no problem." And seeing my dad work um, in the kitchen, um, just it was something magical about him that I just saw his passion for food and and the way he was cooking it and the way um, he went to the markets and shop for the ingredients and you know going along the ride with him understood that you know it it wasn't an easy chore you know when you have to get up at four o'clock in the morning you know you still want to sleep in but you know at the same time you respect your your parents and uh when you had that opportunity to see what what the work life or the restaurant life was was all about it it was definitely uh, an eye-opener and um I, I just wanted to pursue that because uh, it was it was something that was inherited uh, by my father and then just transposed onto me. Even though I wanted to take a different career path, which was going to be a chemical engineer. I just felt like food was part of that chemical engineer experience. You know, it was it was that chemistry in the kitchen that that was what I call today witchcraft cooking. You know, it's it's not just salt and pepper, it's spices and it's the aromatics. and, And I just think that, you know, all those wonderful combinations bring people into restaurants or catering, you know, when you when you do great food and you present it well, I just, I just believe that something magical happens. A response from the client is really, really important, but I also believe that uh, in this day and age, um, restaurant and catering, it's all word of mouth. And um, I decided to pursue that career because even though it's, it's not easy, um, it does have its rewards.
2: So, Lisa, uh, the two of you met in Chicago in the 80s um, when Andrew, he he worked around in a lot of different kitchens. Mm-hmm. Were you working in the food industry as well? No, no? no I was not. <laughs> so did you, did you ever think that this no. catering venture would be for you?
0: I never in a million years thought I would be doing any kind of food service.
2: Really? So how did you get talked into it?
0: Well, I just saw Andrew's talent and different the way different people responded to his talent and in Chicago he was just kind of plucked from one restaurant to the next and um, I just saw that people really, his food was different and and people recognized it and um, I, so I thought we really should own our own business instead of having him make money for other people and only draw a salary. And I put it out there, and it marinated in with him for a while, and then finally, at one point, he said, um, "Okay, you know, I'm ready." So what we did is we got out a map of the country. We decided where we didn't want to live. I took everything north off because I don't want winter <laughs> anymore, <laughs> and I took the coastal areas off, and uh, and then we went on a website called BizBuy.com, and you can buy. There's hundreds of thousands of businesses on there. And we narrowed down our food service to catering because that's what he likes, large volume. And we called companies all over the country. And when I reached the one in Grapevine, it just kind of spoke to us so much more than just the words. We came down here. We liked it. Our kids came down. They liked it. And uh, here we are 12 years later.
2: Yeah, <laughs> 12 years. So so you're happy 12 years later with that decision? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, It's been a great experience. Yeah,
2: great. Um, and before we get into the business, I want to ask you, Andrew, uh, you know, you, like we said, you worked in Australia. You also traveled around uh, Europe. What are some of the differences you've seen in the Australian and the European kitchens from uh, some of the American kitchens you've worked in?
1: That's a great question. Um, I just believe that each country has its own special qualities. Um, Europe, you know, um, and basically also seeing movies made about chefs and watching food networks like Anthony Bourdain. Um, the The styles of cooking have definitely changed, um, but some of the traditions, uh, some of the great chefs have also said, you know, you don't want to ruin your grandmother's reputation of a famous recipe you want to stick to the roots and that's (laughs) that's i I believe it's so true so some of the classical dishes haven't changed that much over the years Um, a lot of infusion flavors have have come come about but i i do believe that um, each country has its unique flavor profile some are more rich a lot of uh, organics, uh, fresh farming techniques, and stuff like that have come to the table. Uh, I think Australia is definitely influenced by a lot of Asian, Australasian, Pacific regions. Uh, a lot of, uh, how would you say, cross cultural cuisine now is more apparent. Uh, back, uh, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, not, not so much, but I just believe that there's a cross cultural change. And um, but I still believe also that some of the classic dishes are, are remaining true.
2: How have these influences made their way into tastefully yours uh, catering? Uh,
1: a lot of it is um, walking the markets, seeing what's seeing what seeing what's available. Um, I also stop occasionally at uh, some of the bookstores, uh, pick up a book, get inspired by some of the. Uh, upcoming chefs uh, that have basically started up a restaurant and they've also produced a book. And it's also given me an inspiration where, I, you know, I could look at something and I can transpose that or take it to the next level. Um, but it's a thought process. You know, I just I just honestly believe, you know, it's the sense of creativity, the creativity and the passion that you have. Um, that keep you. I always look at it at cooking as like a bottle of wine. It just keeps evolving. You know, you open it up, the first sip is going to be different to the last.
2: So uh, you guys had said before we started that uh, Andrew pretty much handles the food, and, and Lisa, you kind of handle the rest um so maybe this question is more for you I mean you never thought you'd be working in the food industry what what are some of the struggles you faced and how have you um found yourself now comfortable 12 years later uh with this business
0: well the struggles initially were just that I was so new to the industry I just I just didn't know about the the ebbs and flows of um, business itself in terms of you know Christmas time is busier, wedding season, things like that. So um, I was just pretty easy on myself in the first year of business. I I did my very very best and made um, calculated decisions, maybe not educated, but calculated. So I gave my best and. If I made any mistakes, I was okay with it as long as I learned from it. And it was just pretty much a process of that. And we just kind of evolved. I think having Andrew by my side to always be able to ask any because he was in catering. So not only could I ask a food question, but I could ask how his previous companies did things and stuff like that. And we just, um, we're still growing. I mean, every year, every day, you know, I, I learned something, you know, new, but we, uh, Going pretty good, and vice
1: versa, you know. Because sometimes um, it could be a front of the house question, you know. So you know, we have a great chemistry. Uh, you know, Lisa is very strong in in the front of the house, and I'm pretty good in the back of the house. I mean, I, we all have our struggles, but I just think
2: uh, we we work well together, definitely. So tell me a bit about the business. Uh, what what kind of catering events um, do you typically do?
0: We do um, our business. I kind of divided into Three areas. We do corporate team building cooking classes for all kinds of corporations. It's just a great setting for team building, and we also have a cook-off, which is is differently different, but fun as well. And then we do a lot of like weddings and business galas and things like that, large volume events. And then we do a lot of house parties, people celebrating, you know, personal milestones, graduations, weddings, I mean, anniversaries, things like that. So I I would say it's pretty much that, you know, those those three things are, are what we do the most of.
2: Do either of you have a favorite type of event?
0: I love the house party. I do. I love the. I love a cocktail party. Actually, I just love the way we've designed the flow of it. My, our staff is great, you know, with it. And yeah, I like the cocktail party.
2: Andrew, how do the menus get planned at these events? Do you um, listen to the input from your customers or uh, <laughs> Lisa's pointing that she does it? Um, <laughs> listen to does. her input or, or do you, <laughs> uh, you know, bring your own flavors and stuff as well?
0: Well, I actually, it's me. I, I It's like an interview. We I take a lot of notes and we talk. I ask lots and lots of questions. Then I get it all narrowed down as to what they're looking for. Then I'll visit with Andrew and I'll say, you know, I've got this client. They really want to have a party with this kind of theme or this kind of food. Or Because we get all different kinds. You know, I had a, a guy in actually from Poland, and he wanted a very classic Polish menu, you know, so... I go to Andrew. I've got another client where Chinese and um, Indian are getting married. So I need dishes that speak to both families. So that's when I pop over to Andrew and we we kind of talk about it. We have a lot of uh, different menu items in our, um, you know, we have a catering software that we work with, but we put a lot of our menu items in there, but I like to always add new stuff, you know, and that's where he either gets online or goes into, um, you know, the books and finds something that is really interesting and then he'll take it in his own direction.
2: Mm. So Andrew, if, if you're working on, let's say Polish food, maybe you haven't cooked that uh, as much before. Um, how, how long does it take you to feel comfortable, um, with the food before you then present it at the event? (sighs) Oh, I would, I would I would say it's
1: an approach that I, I would say, would like to feel a little bit more comfortable because the food that, that, that we cook varies from day to day, so I need to get acclimated. I think the most important thing is to listen to what the client actually wants on that specific day, so you had mentioned Polish food. so. You know we're looking at pierogies we're looking at like rich kind of food again and i would have to like dip into my files and kind of research it a little bit and then come up with or listen to and this is not unusual where um the mother might say listen i've got a recipe um, this is one of my f- grandmother's favorite recipes can you produce it on our special day and, you know, normally the recipes are like for eight people and then you have to transform it to 80 or 150. So something's going to go out of whack. So, you know, uh, pretty much I'm good with, with uh, the, the flavor profiles, um, but it's not something that I would cook on a regular basis. So a little research would would uh, definitely be involved.
0: And then after you do that, though, he'll make yeah. it for the kitchen and we'll all try it yeah. and put our input and then he'll we'll do a tasting for yeah. the client. Yeah. And then oh, so good. he's so made do it do twice it before. Well. Yeah, yeah. We
1: do a tasting cuz we want to make sure that it's right. So uh um, so, Yeah. That's a that's an important part of our catering business is that you know they're not looking on our website, we actually invite them in. And we want them to feel comfortable with our style of cooking, which I pretty much sum up as uh, rustic elegance. And um, when they sit down, you know, I think it's important. Our kitchen is a a very visible kitchen. We want people to see, you know, when we're doing a taste testing, that uh, that they're seeing what we're producing. And I think it's also important that uh, the chef, the owner, Actually, talks to them because I, I think they would feel that chemistry. And we've had this a couple of times where. People have said you've got good karma in the kitchen, so that's a good thing to have,
2: <laughs> definitely. Um, so, in addition to the catering events, uh, you also do Friday night dinners. Um, I'm not sure if it's if it's every Friday night or, or what the schedule is on those, um, but it's a four-course meal served to people mm-hmm. that are lucky enough to attend. Right? Uh, how did these yeah. events start?
0: Well, that actually, part of that is is correct. What it is is it's the dinners were once a month. Okay. And um, we were in this 1925 farmhouse with three little um, parlor rooms that we did it. And what it was, was the first course was in the kitchen with Andrew. And he would either provide champagne or white wine, something to pair with the amuse-bouche that he was giving everybody. They would, a half of the group would come in the kitchen and have this drink and mm-hmm. try, he'd pass an appetizer, he had a whole bunch of spoons, they could try sauces, get really excited, they'd sit down, do the next group. Then we just brought out course after course, but it, it really, it started to be four, but it ended at like seven. He just, <laughs> got crazy. he got crazy, <laughs> but it was such a lovely experience. And the only way people really got invited, so to speak, was if they were on my mailing list. And so, um, but then when we moved from the Blue House, we kept it for a long time so we could do those dinners, but the it just the logistics of it all just stopped working. So we are gonna pick it back up though. It's funny that you say that because October it's gonna end up being more like on a Thursday night because we can't devote a weekend um, night to it, but we many people have asked for it, so it's coming back in, in October.
2: Yep. <laughs> and and how might I be able to find myself um, Buying a ticket for this event.
0: If you go on our website and fill out the contact us information and then put down that you're interested in these dinners, I would put your email list on my, I'd put your email on my list. And then um, when we send out the information about it, you would get it. And it's, you know, we can only do like 35 people. So it's kind of first come, first serve. So you'd have to act Mm -hmm. fast.
1: Yeah, it's intimate.
2: Definitely. That's, that's cool. That's, that's a really, uh, it's better, I think that way than doing a hundred people and you guys would be worn out and and (laughs) it might not be as fun of an experience. So that sounds great. Um, outside of work, how are you able to keep a homework balance? Um, you know, is, is it difficult to do as, as you're in business together and is it tough to go home and then just shut it off?
0: It is. Um, most of it, I bring it home more than Andrew does. But we finally, I think maybe like about three years ago or four, we finally got to the point where it really is left at the door. You know, I, I don't, I don't bring it up until like the morning. You know, like if it's we're getting ready for work and things come up that that I have to share with them. But yeah, the chill time, we just we leave it. Well, all I also work at the door.
1: I also think that. Um you know when you're working long hours in this in this industry it's ne- they always say it's never a nine-to-five job we we basically um have how would you say curtailed a little uh, sport hobby so yeah. you know we, we uh play tennis um and league tennis so that it's kind of a switch off it's a stress reliever for us because you know when we go to work you know it's go 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 it, it's answering emails it's cooking food and um at the end of the day when we walk out you know we we go home but then we say oh we got league or you know it's a switch off period so i think sp- sport curriculum is definitely mm-hmm. uh, helpful in this industry for us you know instead and of just sitting home and you know and no cooking at home no cooking at i home. was just about to ask that <laughs> so you you never cook at home we bring it, well, it from we work we bring it from work mm-hmm. you know so we always make a little extra and then um you know we Heed just it up. yeah we heat it up and then we're good to go Sounds yeah. like a good meal every yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so just a last question for you guys. Um, you know, you were both doing different things. I mean, Andrew, obviously you were working in the industry, um, but you weren't uh, running your own business um, until later, until you'd already logged a lot of years um, in the field. Um, what advice would you give to someone that's thinking about maybe opening up their own business um, but isn't sure how to do it? Or, uh, you know, what's what's one piece of advice you would give?
1: I would definitely say do your homework. Um, you need to check out your competitors. You need to check out your demographics, um, and and make sure that what you're going to give the public, make sure it's different and unique. That's that good would advice. be my uh, yeah. I, I think I think in this day and age, there's there's a lot of restaurants. There's a lot of great restaurants. There's a lot of great catering companies, and you know they're all competing with each other. So um, I would definitely do your homework.
2: And, mm. and any advice from you, Lisa?
0: I like what he said, I really do. I just, um, you know, people, because of the advent of the Food Network and stuff, people are more romanced by food service, you know, catering, uh, cooking, baking, all that stuff. And and it is really glamorous and very rewarding on a lot of different levels, but it's, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of people don't see the backside of it. I, would, I'm, I think he, everything he said was, was really true.
2: Um, and just actually now the last question. Could you just plug your website, tell people where to find you guys? Oh, of
0: course. <laughs> it's uh, www.tastefullyours.com.
2: Great. Well, thank you guys so much um, for coming on today. I really appreciate it, and, and I appreciated uh, getting that chance to talk with you guys. Thank All you right. so much. Thank that you. That interview was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu. That's csftw.edu. Or you can reach them by phone. It's 817 737 8427. That's 817 737 8427. Also, you could check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school. If you look up Culinary School of Fort Worth, you'll find us on Facebook, and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.